Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. God, thanks so much for for this day, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be here uh, as a community of people, as, as your saints. And Lord, I pray today that as we look into your word once again, and as we focus once again on, on the Apostles' Creed, something that has been handed down for generation to generation, I pray, God, in particular today, that your spirit would guide and lead us to see what it truly means uh, to be wonderfully a part of this family that you are creating. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So uh, there is this ongoing battle in the McGinley household. And before I tell you this story, I do want you to know that I have permission from uh, my daughters to share this story. But it always begins when I see this adorable picture that they drew. Uh, this is a picture that my daughters, Raylan and Romy, uh, have on their door right before you walk in. A couple things stand out first. Number one, uh, they are very creative. Number two, they don't know how to spell the word sisters, which is just adorable, right? But, but the battle begins when I see this picture because recently uh, Malachi moved out of their room and into his own room, and so now it is just the sister's room. And when I walk into their room at night to give them a kiss, this is what it looks like to say goodnight, there seems to be this ongoing battle that we have. It's one that when I walk into their room, I come with this same speech over and over and over again about how they need to clean their room. It, it goes typically like this, where I try to explain why it's really important for them to clean their room because they need to be able to know where stuff is in their room. They need to respect the stuff that they have. That's the second reason I want them to clean the room. And the third reason is because I want them to grow up and not be messy as adults. Right? Have you been here before? And as this battle goes on and I give my speech as I do, my daughters typically come with three excuses. I put a lot of thought and energy into this. I'm serious. These are three things that they come back at me with in the battle. The first one is this, is that they'll say, well, dad, I don't feel like my room is all that messy. That instead, what you see as messy is not necessarily how I feel about it. It's not that big of a deal that I step on Legos and pierce the bottom of my feet. So their emotions are different than mine. Or the next tactic that they use in the battle is they try to outsmart me. See, one day the battle didn't start when I entered into their room, but when I opened up their closet and then all of a sudden the stuff came tumbling down. They thought they'd just be smarter and trying to hide it from me. 
Or, or the third tactic, and this one is very, very tactful by my youngest in particular, is that then they try to become the victim. They say, Dad, I just can't do it. You're never going to love me. I'm like, this battle has gotten very deep now, right? Uh, this, this idea of using will and intellect and and emotion. So what do my girls need? What do I need in the middle of this battle? What, what we need is, is a helper. We need somebody to, to show them a new way. I mean, frankly, cleaning my room is something that, that was taught to me by my parents. In fact, my parents are here at church today. They could stand up here and share probably the stories of the battles that we had talking about teaching me how to clean my room. Is, is anybody with me? Do you remember these times when you were growing up? And see, what was going on, what I'm trying to do, and what your parents have been trying to do with you is they were trying to take this objective truth that you are a part of this family. And that what they're trying to do is make it subjective. They're trying to make it personal. What, what I'm trying to do with my kids is I'm trying to teach them that as a part of the family, you are a part of the McGinley family. But that means something as you live in this house, in this family. And today we're going to be finishing this series called Getting to Know God, where we're looking at this old ancient creed, one that has been passed down from generation to generation that introduces to us who God is. And so far we've been talking about the first two articles that are these big objective truths. These big things that are real and true, that God is a father, provider and preserver of everything in this world. That is a huge truth that we believe, teach and confess. And last week we also talked about that God the Son, he takes on our humiliation. The, the, the very uh, brokenness that we bring into this world, our God takes that on in himself and gifts us exaltation by his death and resurrection and, and see what we've been looking at are these objective truths and now they need to become personal subjective and and it's with that understanding that we get to the third article of the creed it's something that moves from this beautiful objective truth to very real and personal for us and to do that, I want to first begin with a couple of ways that we typically go at this in the wrong way of applying this to our life. There was a guy named Adolf Caverly who wrote this book a long time ago called The Quest for Holiness. And, and in this book, uh, he goes on this long journey of talking about how every human being has this desire to be right or to to be holy in a sense. Uh, that most people, I would argue, almost everybody desires to do right things. But the challenge becomes in, in where we look and where our source of strength comes from. And Caberly says that there are three false places that we go to when we're trying to find strength to do good or to be holy. The first one that he says is that the wrong place that we'll go to is moralism. 
In the sense of that, that we have this effort of the will, thinking that if we just try harder, that if we just plan a little bit more, that if we just, uh, just have the perfect habits, eventually we'll just continue to like, be perfect or that we'll eventually get there. But what Caberly is saying is that no matter how hard you try, eventually you're going to fail. What he is saying is that when I go to my daughters and try to teach them about cleaning their room, all I need to do is walk across the hall to my room and notice that there's stuff on the ground. He's saying that our will can be used, but it will fail us. The second thing that Caberly points out is this idea of intellectualism and that thinking that we will be made holy if we just learn more and more and more. There's this thought that if I just study more books or if I can just Google everything, then I'll have the answers to everything. But the reality is that we have to deal with is that even though we will study and learn and and know all of the things about all kinds of stuff, that, that that's not what will make us holy because we're still learning. There's still pieces about God's Beautiful creation that we are discovering to this day. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So we need to not look to our moralism or look to our intellectualism. Or thirdly, Caberly says, uh, become mystics in the sense of our efforts of emotions. This thought that if, if to be holy or to be right means that my emotions will break for the same things that break God's heart. And while that sounds good on paper, the reality is is that our emotions will move us into all different kinds of places and spaces. I mean, there are simply just times when I go into my kid's room and they just don't want to clean their room because they're just tired. And, And you and I experience that often, right? Because our emotions can move us in places that we never imagined that we would be before. And so what Caberly is pointing out here is that in this quest for holiness that we all desire, that we're trying to live out our identity as a part of the family, that we will go to our will, intellect, and emotions, but they will fail us. And this is not only true just with cleaning our room, it's also true with relationships. It's true in addiction. It's true in maintaining healthy habits. I mean, every December we're planning out of how we're gonna lose 15 pounds in January. The Bible says it this way in Romans 3, chapter 10 and 11. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. What Paul is saying here is that none is righteous, no matter how hard we try. No matter how hard we try, we will not be righteous. No one understands. No one, no matter how much we read, no matter how much we study, no one will fully understand everything. And no one seeks for God, no matter how emotionally driven we are or how we desire to know. So, Aren't you really glad you came to church today? What does that mean? So we just give up? All right, my will, my intellect, and my emotions. Can't rely on those. What do I do then? Well, I would argue 
just like I need for my girls, you and I also need a helper. In fact, this is what Jesus would say in John 14, verse 26. He said this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, known as the helper, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is what we believe, teach, and confess, is that our God doesn't just leave us on our own to our will or to our intellect or to our emotions, but instead what our God does is he sends a helper. He sends the Holy Spirit to us, and this is what they confessed, believed, and taught in the Apostles' Creed, is that they believed that God was sending this Spirit to be our helper. Notice the last words of the creed. It says this, that I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now, I want to be clear. Certainly, the Holy Spirit works through our will, our intellect, and our emotions. God is definitely working through those things. But those can also be used for evil. And so what the creed is saying here is that God gives us his Holy Spirit and they point to a couple very important places where we, as a community of believers, need to go back to over and over again to receive that help that we need. Can I point them out to you? A couple of, they're they're right here. You'll notice this, the first one is this, that the Holy Spirit works through the Christian church, the communion of saints. This is what they were confessing in the second century, according to the apostles' teaching. They said that I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. What they're saying here is that God is working where we hear God's word being spoken about. When we go to church, when we are in this place, we hear the words of God and we hold to what God is saying. Now, I will say this, that that there are at times where the church just gets this messed up, where we take secondary things like community or, or like doing fun stuff or having good music. Those are all parts and elements of what we do. But as a church, what it means to be the church is that you would come in here and hear God's word. Not going to hear just a bunch of stories from the pastor, but instead you hear God's word being spoken. It, it, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like this, like, like if I'm having some chest pains, I don't go to my mechanic and say, hey, uh, what do you think about this situation? That would be silly, right? Because I have a problem, but I'm going to the wrong place. And sometimes the church, we've misled people thinking that we're something that we're not. But what we are is a place that's going to be about God's word and remind us about the promises of who God is and what it means to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Because God calls us through his spirit and through the word and brings us into communion, into this community of the saints, the fellowship of believers. Now, I know what you might be thinking right now. You're like, well, (laughs) Pastor Dave, you're so out of touch, man. 
Like the church has been the reason that I was pushed away from Jesus. The church has been a place where actually I'm, I'm not about learning about who God is. And I'm not advocating that the church is perfect in how we've done this. The church has a lot to repent of. We have a lot to admit fault and wrong in. And especially according to God's word. That actually following our God looks like that we take a posture of humility more than one of arrogance, amen? And that's why I think the second point that they bring out in the article is so important. They say this, that the Holy Spirit also works through the forgiveness of sins. That as a community of people, when we come together, it's not only that we're reminded of God's truth and his word, but we also acknowledge the forgiveness that comes through, his, our, through Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father. This is what they say, that, that I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. What, what we believe as a community of people is that God is working through forgiveness. That we are people of forgiveness. That we are people who have been forgiven and therefore we offer forgiveness to others. This is why the church amplifies this whole understanding of what are known as the means of grace. This is why we celebrate baptism and it's a big deal in our church. Because when water and the word are brought together, all of a sudden God's family is expanded. That's why every single Sunday when you come here, we have these little baggies that have bread in it now, thanks COVID, and little cups of wine and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because it's in those very places that God promises that I'm bringing forgiveness of sin. In a real and tangible way. Even when it seems silly, even when you maybe don't feel like it, maybe even it was hard to get to church today. God says, I'm going to be consistent in what I am bringing to the table. I love how Paul writes it here in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says this, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Hear all of the words that Paul says here. So it's sort of like, well, I really like the first part of that statement. Like, if anyone's caught in transgression, then we should confront him. Well, we confront in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Martin Luther said it this way in talking about the third article of the creed. He said this, for we are in the church, in the Christian church, where there is nothing but continuous, uninterrupted forgiveness of sin. This is because God forgives us, because we forgive, bear with, and help one another. See, what it means to be a part of this community where the Holy Spirit is working through the community of people, that, that it also acknowledges this forgiveness of sin. And I love these words that we read from Scripture today, from Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Notice this image that Paul is giving for us here. He says that there is this building up of a temple that is going on, and the cornerstone is not you. The first stone that was laid is not me, not the pastor, not not the greatest theologian of all time. No, it is Jesus Christ who is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple into the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, that the Spirit continues to work and that I love this continuous that you are being built. We're an ongoing work that God continues to build on us. And we know that this begins where we're the place where Jesus died and rose again and brought the forgiveness of sin into this world by his death and resurrection. Caberly, later on in his book, A Quest for Holiness, says this, that the New Testament commands are preceded always by the clear statement of something, of some divine action, frequently with a connecting causal particle, therefore, or so, to show where the strength for the action comes. I'm going to say this again. What Caberly is saying is that every time God commands you to do something, and especially even in Ephesians 2, that verse that we just looked at, he reminds you first that God is the one who first did the action. Do you hear me when I say this? When God calls you to do something, the first thing that he's gonna remind you is that I'm the one who first did the action for you. I'm the one who has redeemed you and resurrected you. And what he's acknowledging is that I'm the one who is also gonna give you a helper. You are not on your own in this journey. It is not dependent upon your will, your intellect, or your emotion. One last little piece here that I love from this article uh, in the Apostles' Creed. They finish with these words, that the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, what they confessed, believed, and taught is that they believed in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the community of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and they also believed and taught and confessed that the resurrection of the body would happen and the life everlasting would exist, that this story does not end when you die, that what we hold on to is a story that will go on forever. And that happens at the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that at the resurrection of the body, when our Lord will come back again, that everything will be restored and redeemed and brought back to how it is supposed to be. So wrapping up this series, talking about getting to know God, we've looked at how God is this creator, this, this provider and preserver. We've looked at how our God, in the midst of, of this brokenness that exists in our world, that he takes on the humiliation of it and takes on our sin and gifts us exaltation. And we also today have looked at how our God works through the Holy Spirit, 
works through the community of saints. And that we as people are forgiven people so that we forgive one another because of who our God is. And so when I enter back into that battle again and again and again with my daughters, and as I enter back into the the messiness of, of their room, my hope and intention for them is to know that being a part of the family, this objective truth, and how this applies to being in the family is not just dependent upon their will or their intellect or their emotions, but is a gift from God, a gift of the helper who is walking with them daily. And I pray that you would know as well that as a part of this community, as a part of the global church, that our God does not hold us to just our will, emotion, and intellect, but as one who gifts his spirit as a helper for us in moments of struggle. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for who you are, what you have done in this world. And God, that you do not hold us alone or empty-handed, but instead, God, you are one who brings your Holy Spirit into this world, into this place. And so, Lord, I pray that as we wrestle with, with the beauty of what that means and the complexity of what that means, I pray, God, that we would be reminded of your presence over and over again, that we would not forfeit the places where you've said throughout time that you are going to work in the community of of your people and also in, in your word and in your sacraments. I pray, God, that we would be reminded of those daily and that we would continue to look to those as reminders of who you are, and how you are working in this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.